Well, good morning, and welcome to Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. If you're visiting with us this morning, we want to welcome you and thank you for the opportunity to come and worship with us. I ask you to take the time to fill up the visitor card you'll find in front of you, place in the offering place to come around so we can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. All right, today is Mother's Day, as you know. And so we're going to take some time in a minute to honor our mothers. But I also want to remind you that you need to take time to honor your mother at home. Pray for and love her and make sure you spend some time with her today. All right. So what's going on at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church? Well, number one, we had a wonderful, wonderful time at our rummage sale uh, yesterday. It was a great success. And so I want to thank each and every one of you for working in it, uh, for those of you that supported it in prayer, and those of you that supported it uh, in other ways. We are grateful and ask God to bless you in that. All right. Uh, so coming up this Saturday, church, on the 15th, we'll be having men's prayer breakfast at 7 a.m., Come out and be a part of that. It's going to be a lot of fun, uh, followed by our admin team meeting. So if you're on the administrative team, you need to be there at 1030. So breakfast at 7. I want to remind you all that coming up Friday the 21st, we are having a fish fry here at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. The proceeds will go to support Operation Christmas Child. And you can get tickets from Sister Esther or from the office. Uh, Monica there will be glad to help you do that. So be a part of that and come and get some fish with us on the 21st. Don't forget, we're having a vacation Bible school meeting coming up on May 22nd. We still need a few teachers. We still need some aid. And we need all the prayer and helpers uh, and those that are willing to decorate and come and be a part of that. Uh, we need all of those we can get. So we're asking you to prayerfully consider being a part of that. That meeting will be May 22nd at 10 a.m. So Saturday, May 22nd at 10. We're asking you to come be a part of that as well. Uh, our actual vacation Bible school is coming up June 6th through the 10th. So be in prayer about that. And if you've got some little ones at home, you need to get out to Vacation Bible School, send them on. We're getting ready to start registration, so we're ready for that. I'll be in prayer for it and ask God's blessing on our Vacation Bible School. All right. Uh, we'll remind you that at the end of the month, our fifth Sunday singing is coming up. That's May 30th. That'll take place of our evening service at 5 p.m. We're going to have a meal, and we'll have what churches have signed up to be a part of that singing and what uh, specials we have heard from Robertson Avenue to be a part of that as well. Uh, other than that, I think that's all my upcoming announcements, except for, as I said before, today is Mother's Day. We want to honor our mother. So if you're a mom, would you stand up this morning? You know, we just couldn't be here without you, could we? <laughs> let's tell them how much we love them. Yeah, let's give them a round of applause. We love you, Mom. Thank you so much for that. Please stay standing for just a second. And so I want to pray for you, ask God's blessing on you, and then we have a gift for you. And so our children's church is going to bring you those gifts. Let's pray together. Shall we? Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. ask you to bless each and every mom here today. Lord, touch them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to thank you for the mothers in our lives. And pray, Lord, that we continue to learn from them and continue, Lord, to be blessed by them. I'm praying, Father, you put your hands on them, that you lead them and guide them and direct them, Lord. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and be seated, moms. Thank you so much. Go ahead and stay standing, moms. And our children are going to bring you a gift in that. All right. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Every time I see the children, I'm reminded of the scripture that says, Out of the mouth of babes comes perfect praise. Amen.
So, if moms, you'll stay standing. We'll go ahead and start the service. Would love it. Good morning. Good morning. And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are out there. I appreciate every single one of you. And what better way do we have to celebrate Mother's Day than to sing praises to the God that created you? So let's all stand up. We're going to start off by singing Open Our Eyes.
thank you very much. Um, I've been preaching for 28 years, and nothing makes me more nervous than singing. Amen. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's hard. It's tough. I'm not really good at it. And uh, thank you, Betsy and Stephanie, for coming in and helping me out there. Really appreciate that. Without y'all, we could not have done it. Um, so if I can do it, you can do it. Come on and help us sing and praise and worship the Lord. Amen? So that song was uh, near and dear to my heart, and it's really hard for me to sing without crying. It came to me at a time where my heart was crying, how do I worship? I did not know how to worship. I knew about the worship, and I knew that people worship, but I did not know how to worship. But that song came to me in the night. It came to me in a way I did not expect it, and it's still big part of my life. And often, if you visit the office, you may hear me back in my office start singing there. I can't help it, because through that song, I learned how to worship. All right, well, happy, happy Mother's Day. And so I want you to know that we honor you, and we respect you moms, and to be honest, we could not be here without you. <laughs> Amen. And so, if you got your Mother's Day present, you got a little card there with it, and that card is going to tell you that we're going to make a donation on your behalf, in your honor, to our Hope Pregnancy Center. So please be in prayer about that. And let me tell you what the Hope Pregnancy Center does. It is an alternative to abortion. Amen. It is one of the greatest ministries this world has ever known. It brings hope to the hopeless. It brings light to those in darkness. And it is a picture of your love through Christ here on this earth. Amen. So prayerfully consider being a part of that. And prayerfully consider volunteering and being a part of that. And I want you to know that Robert Snavity will make a donation, moms, on your behalf to that. And all those children that come through that wonderful, wonderful ministry. All right, if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me please to the book of Exodus this morning. The title of this morning's message is Mother's Day. Mother's Day. And so... I want to share with you something neat. And now, let me just be honest with you. It is my intention to try to let you out early for this Mother's Day. But you know, as well as I know, I have a hard time with that. It's like the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the church at Philippi. He says, and finally, brethren, in chapter 3, there was a whole other chapter before he was done. So as you know, finally is a meaningless preacher statement. Mother's Day. So I want to share this story with you about a mom who was on an airplane. And she was sitting there on her way to visit her children, and she was reading her Bible. And lo and behold, sitting down next to her was a man with more PhDs and numbers and letters behind his name that we might as well just call him the alphabet. Oh, he was an intellectual person, and oh, he had much education. He's sitting down next to her, and he said, Excuse me, ma'am, do you really believe the Bible? She said, Oh, yes, sir, I really do. I believe the Bible. He said, you've got to be kidding me. It's the year 2021. And you still believe those ancient stories in the Bible. She said, oh, yes, sir. Not only do I believe them, I try to live them. He said, well, let me ask you a couple of questions, man. About that man Jonah. You know, he was swallowed by a whale. Do you believe that? Now, he didn't know any better. We know, because we read our Bible, that Jonah was swallowed by a fish, don't we? However, she answered the question. She said, yes, I believe it. He said, that's not possible. There's no way there's a whale that can swallow a man. He can live there for three days. He said, well, I believe it. One of these days, I believe I'm going to heaven. He said, all right. 
What happens if you go to heaven? And when you get there, you find out Jonah's not there. He said, well, if I go to heaven and find out Jonah's not there, what do you want me to do? She said, or the man said, well, you can ask Jonah what really happened. She said, well, if Jonah's not really there, what's going to happen? He said, well, I don't know. She said, well, I'll tell you what. If he's not there when I get to heaven, you can ask him. <laughs> well, today we're going to take a look at mothers in the Bible. I got a message this week. It said, Pastor, the one sermon I hate every year is Mother's Day sermons. They're always run of the mill. They're always the same. And they're always about moms. Well, of course they're about moms. And so I want you to know that I love my mother. And I want you to know that I am doing my best to try to reach out and minister with her. And so trying to figure out in our life how things are different. But moms are very special. And moms are very respected in the Bible. So today we're going to look at some mothers in the Bible. We're going to look at three examples of God using moms in the Bible. We're going to look at Moses' mom. We're going to look at Samuel's mom. And we're going to look at Timothy's mom this morning. So I ask you to start with me in the book of Exodus chapter 2. Let's read verses 1 through 3. The Bible says... And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dubbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. So as we look over in Exodus chapter 6, we actually find... Moses' mom's name. Look with me in chapter 6, verse 20. The Bible says, Now Amram took for himself Yoshebed. Now you can say Jochebed, that's okay. Jochebed, his father's sister. Now I don't want to get into that today. His father's sister as wife. And she bore him Aaron and Moses. And the years of the life of Amram were 137. Now the first lady we're going to look at this morning, the first mom we're going to look at is Jochebed. She was a woman with a plan. Now, let me tell you something, moms. It's my intention to preach to you a little bit this morning. And so if you're going to be the mom God wants you to be, if you're going to be that mom the Bible is laying out for you, you need to start getting some advice from Jochebed this morning. Jochebed. First thing you need to learn is don't name your kid Jochebed. Amen? Let me tell you, it's hard enough to grow up as a child nowadays. But if you had a name like Jochebed, what would happen? Or Amram, for that matter, you know? You know, we actually have a boy in the Bible named Sheila. And we actually got a guy named Jethro. Jochebed, though, was a woman with a plan. She hid her son three months. Now, let me tell you what's happening here. Pharaoh had started looking around at his people, and he realized that the Jews, the Israelites inside of Egypt, were growing numerously and alarmingly so fast that he was worried they would rise up inside of his country, lead a rebellion, and usurp his authority, and eventually have a kingdom inside his kingdom, or completely dethrone him completely from Egypt. So he put out a decree, and he said, I'm not worried about the Hebrew women, I'm worried about the Hebrew men. And so every Hebrew child must die. Every Hebrew male child must die. Well, as you know the story, Jochebed and Amram have a beautiful son. We just read that he's beautiful. And she looked at him. And the Bible says she hid him for three months. 
We don't know what Paul had been there in those three months, but we do know that she hid him. She had a plan for him. And she knew the reality of defying Pharaoh's decree. What could have happened if they found out that she was lying? What could have happened if they found out that she was hiding her son Moses? She would have been killed. She might have been put in prison and her family would have suffered. She was a woman with a plan. Now, let's move a little bit into Jochebed for just a second here. Jochebed, like all good moms, she knew something about her son. See, the Bible tells us when her son was born, she looked down at him and she said, this is a beautiful child. She didn't just look in the face of a baby. I don't know about y'all, but every baby's beautiful. Amen? But she took a look in the face of her son Moses and said, there's something strange about him. There's something wonderful about him. There's something beautiful about him. There's something that deserves protection. There's something that says this boy's got to keep living. She knew there was something special about her son. She didn't know exactly what that would be, but she knew that her son was going to grow up one day and to be something special in Israel. In fact, at this time, the Israelites are beginning to cry out. If you read in Exodus chapter 1, they're beginning to cry out, saying, God, deliver us. And they're beginning to expect a deliverer. They're beginning to expect a promised one to show up. And perhaps, just perhaps, as Jochebed looked down into the eyes of that beautiful baby boy, she saw a glimpse of the deliverer. Perhaps as she looked into his face, she knew that my son, my little Moses, now she didn't name him just that, but she looked into his face and said, my little boy will bring freedom. She hid him for three months. That's a mom with a plan. Amen? You know, we could change it around to rhyme a little bit. That's a mam with a plan. Amen? I like that right there. Jochebed knew. And like all good moms, Jochebed knew something about her son. As she looked into his face, she said, This boy is not going to be an idol, just a name, just a space to him. This boy is going to grow up and be a leader. This boy might be the deliverer we've been praying for. For 430 years, we've been crying out, God, deliver us. And when she looked in the face of her boy, she knew there was something there. Perhaps she didn't say, I'm going to hide your son because he will bring you to freedom. Now, we don't know how she did him. There are all kinds of speculation. How did she hide this boy? Let me tell you the easiest way to hide a young baby boy. That's to dress him up like a baby girl. Amen? Perhaps that's what she did. And the Bible says it came a time where she could no longer hide him. Because, can I be honest for just a minute? I want to be frank. And if it hurts your feelings, I'm sorry. But the truth is, there comes a time when you can look in the face of that child and say, that's not a little girl. That's a little boy. There is, therefore, a difference between men and women. There is a huge difference in the way we're made up and the way we think and the way we look at people. And when she looked into the face of her son, she began to say, I can no longer hide him. And she began to have a plan. And you know what she did. You've read the story. She creates an ark. And she dumps it with slime and pitch. And my Bible says asphalt. That's not actually the asphalt out on the street, y'all. It's mud. They would pave the road with mud in those days and rocks and bricks on top of them for fast movement for the army. And so she made this ark and she coated it in the mud so that it would be waterproof. And she put it down in the water in the bulrushes where she knew Pharaoh's 
daughter would come. And she, being a good mom, banks on what all women do when they see a baby. You don't have to say it. I already know it. You know what she did? She said, oh, look at that. And she looked in the face of that beautiful child. And just like Jochebed, she said, that boy is special. That boy is something else. That boy is something wonderful. In fact, our Bible says he's beautiful. And I need you to understand that's the same word used for Joseph's beautiful coat of many colors. It's the same word that's used for Jesus' purple, beautiful, seamless robe. It's beautiful. When he looked into his eyes, they saw something special. Perhaps Jochebed knew as she looked into her son's eyes. My boy is the deliverer. Perhaps Pharaoh's daughter knew as she looked into his eyes. This boy is special. What you know from reading our Bibles that Moses is a picture of God. Always has been. Always will be. Stephen uses Moses in his sermon before he's stoned to death about how Moses goes up on the mountain, how he brings down the Ten Commandments, how they rebel against him, and he points that out as a picture of Jesus. It's throughout Scripture. Moses is a picture of Christ, and Moses had the message to Pharaoh. What was that message? As you know, let my people go. And Jochebed, as she looked into her son's eyes, began to realize there's something special about this boy. And so, as a mom, and as a good mom, a mom would have planned on how to get my boy to survive through this ordeal. Let me tell you, that's a woman with a plan right there. She knew what she was doing. Not only did she know what she was doing, she was led by God. Why? Because like all good moms, she loved her son enough to put herself in risk. She laid that boy down in the water, knowing Pharaoh's daughter would come, knowing that her son was so beautiful, so special, so wonderful, that when Pharaoh's daughter saw him, she would instantly fall in love. Now, we like to talk about Moses' mom, but how many times do we talk about Moses' stepmom? We don't talk about her at all, do we? In fact, most of us already chalk her up. Well, she's from Egypt. She's Pharaoh. She doesn't belong. But I want to tell you something right now. If you'll get into the book of Hebrews, into the Hall of Fame, into that picture of the faith, the heroes of faith, we get a picture of Moses leaving out of Pharaoh's house, choosing, the Bible says, not to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That means that Pharaoh's daughter... Raise him up, not erasing his identity, but allowing him to know who he was. And good moms never steal the identity of their children. Somebody say amen this morning. She was a good stepmom, no matter what you think about her. Isn't that wonderful? Can you think about that for a second? She didn't take his identity away. She didn't tell him, you're just a Hebrew. You're just a Hebrew. No, she raised him up in her household. And she said, yes, you're Jewish, but you're my son. And he came to a point where he said, I choose not to be called your son, but to go with my brethren. What a stepmom that was. What a wonderful stepmom that was. But back to Jochebed for just a minute here. She knew her son was special. And she knew her son had something in him that he hadn't seen in years. And perhaps she began to look into his face and my boy is the deliverer. And she began to say, you need to come to my son for freedom. You need to come to Moses for freedom. You need to come to him for freedom from Pharaoh. But you know, as I said before, 
Moses was a picture of Jesus. So what did Jesus say about that? The Bible tells us in John verse uh, John chapter eight verses thirty two through thirty six, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. Now that's a whopper, isn't it? They're in bondage in Egypt right there. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Yes, Moses was a picture of Jesus. But Jesus wasn't coming to deliver us from Pharaoh. Jesus was coming to deliver us from another taskmaster, from another Pharaoh, if you will, another slave king, if you will, another one who holds us in bondage. And the Bible tells us in verse 35 of John chapter 8, and the slave does not abide in the house forever, as Moses so willingly proved, as he said, I can't stay in your house, stepmom. I've got to go out and be with my brothers. Look at verse 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, ye shall be free indeed. And as Jacobin looked in the face of her child, she knew whoever comes to the Son shall be free. And if you will look into Jesus this morning, you will find freedom from sin. That's what moms are all about. Good moms lead their children to Jesus. Good moms let their children know that Jesus is the one who delivers us. The Bible tells us if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. For who the Son sets free is free indeed. Have you been in bondage this morning? You're in bondage to hate. Perhaps you're hating your mom. Perhaps you're hating somebody. Perhaps you're in bondage to alcoholism, to drugs, to pornography. And I want you to know that if you will come to the Son, the Son can make you free. And if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And Tuckerbed looked at her boy that morning and said, Come to my Son. He will set you free. And the church right now is saying, Come to the Son. He will set you free. Oh, my goodness. Are you ready to look at mom number two? Samuel's mom. Look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 1. I love Samuel's mom. Hananah is her name. Hananah. What does it mean? Well, don't worry about that this morning. Samuel's mom. Interesting story happens here because Eli has become an age-old priest. The Bible tells us the eyes are beginning to get dim. And I want you to know that if you'll follow through the story, you're probably already asking the question. He was already starting to go blind. Absolutely. Look with me in verse 9 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. The Bible says, So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Why was she so upset? Because she didn't have any child. In fact, she was a wife of a man. Elkanah was his name. And he had two wives. That's enough to put any woman right there into a fit. Somebody say amen. How many of you know this truth? No house is big enough for two women. There is no doubt about that. And so we have Samuel's mom here, Hannah. 
she goes to the tabernacle and she gets on her knees and starts praying. And so if you look at the rest of the story, she starts praying so hard, she starts pouring her heart out to God that she's not even talking anymore. Her mouth is moving and she's just praying to God, God, please deliver me from barrenness. God, please give me a child, a son. God, let your love so shine through me that a child would be born into this life and dying well. And the angel priest looks over and it says, You've got to be one drunk woman. I'm telling you right now, he was already starting to go blind. As he looks at Hannah, the Bible tells us, let's just read about it in verse 11. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, that you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Of course, Eli accuses her of drinking too much wine. Pours the heart out. He says, Get out of here. You can't be drunk in the house of the Lord. And she turns around and she says, Don't think of me as a wicked woman. Instead, I want you to know that I'm pouring my heart out to God. And I want you to know that I made a vow to God. Of course, Eli apologizes in his own way. He says, Go in peace. And she goes home where she has a child with her husband. She weans him and brings him back to the tabernacle. Uh, Hannah is a mom to keep that promise. If you're going to be the mom God's calling you to be, if you're going to be that mom of the Bible, the first thing you got to be is a woman with a plan. Amen? you got to have a plan to start getting your family to church. you got to have a plan to start getting your family back to God. you got to have a plan to keep your family in spiritual standing with God. Amen? You've got to be that kind of mom. Hannah was a woman who kept her promises. That's another wonderful trait about moms. Moms, whatever they say, you can depend on. Can I get an amen on that, guys? If mom says it, that settles it. Well, Hannah was a mom who kept her promise. She named her son Samuel. Which means gift to God. She gave him back to God after he was weaned. She brought him to Eli and said, I'm the lady you accused of being drunk. I'm the lady who made a vow, and this was my vow, that if God would give me a child, that I would give him back to God, saying he's yours forever. And I'm telling you right now, Mom, God is looking for families who will give their children in the service of God Almighty, who will dedicate them, who will pray over them, who will bring them to church every day, even when you got angel Eli's up there running things. Like all good moms, Hannah kept her promises. She knew what it meant to endure. A good mom endures and she keeps her promise no matter what the price was. And you know what Hannah's price was? Having to listen to Eli. Some of you come to church every Sunday. i got to listen to Brother Josh. <laughs> Keep your promise and bring your children to church. Keep your promise and bring your family to church. Because that's what God is wanting from moms today. And you know something else? I don't want to get into fathers too much, but dads, it's our job to be the spiritual leader. We're supposed to be able to hold a mom saying we need to go to church. And mom's supposed to support us in that. And mom's supposed to help us lead our family to good, godly relationships. Amen? Hannah, like all good moms, kept her promise. She made a promise to God. She said... I will give him back to you. Not only that, but I will raise him as a Nazarite. What is a Nazarite? A Nazarite is those people who 
They couldn't cut their hair at all. Actually, it was shaved at first, and they could never cut their hair again. No razor would come upon it until their vow was over. They couldn't drink strong drink. They couldn't eat of any certain foods, grapes and things like that. And they couldn't be around dead people. She raised her son as a Nazarite. And I don't know about you, but I raised my children like a Nazarite. I tried to keep them away from things that will make them impure, like certain television shows, like certain books, like things on the Internet nowadays that are all too easy to get in touch with. And moms are supposed to know what's going on in their children's life. And moms are supposed to say, Lord, help me reach my children and help me bring my children to church and to even sometimes those old temperamental Eli's that are there. She knew what it meant to have to endure. Not only did she have to share her husband with another woman, but she had to get on her knees and pray, God, give me a child. Hannah. Well, she endured Eli. She endured. Good moms have to endure those boring sermons sometimes. Those boring prayers sometimes. Those boring church services. But if you want to raise your child in God's way, then make sure you're faithful to your promise. Promise to raise your children in the God's way. What did Jesus say about that? Jesus had a lot to say about those things. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verses 48 and 49. We're looking at Jesus as a young boy here. He is actually left behind in Jerusalem. You ever left a child behind somewhere? Don't say amen. You ever left one behind? You ever left one somewhere? I have a family that I'm near and dear to. They left one of their kids at the airport. And I was like, well, you should have shipped them on somewhere. <laughs> However, it happens a lot, especially when you get more than four kids. When you get more than four, you just lose count. And moms lose their sanity. Amen? Luke chapter 2. They only had one kid at the time. Jesus is 12, 13 years old right there. The Bible says fully 12. And I'll let you interpret that how you want to there. He's in Jerusalem. And Mary and Joseph suppose he's in company with the rest of the family. And they just go on. Why do they think that? Because they never had a problem like this before. Never did this occur to them that this would happen. And they move on. They go out a day or two. And they realize Jesus isn't with them. They come back to Jerusalem in a huff and a puff saying, Where's Jesus? Where's my boy? Where is my son? And you know where? Let's look at verse 48 here. When they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Could you imagine what it would have been like in those days? No 911. No posters to put up. No pictures. Have you seen this kid? No child fingerprints to put up. None of those things. They were looking and looking and looking. I don't know about you. But how tricky would it have been after three days to say, we can't find him. He's gone. They kept on looking. And I want you to know something, Mom. Your child might be astray. Your child might not be living a godly life. Your child might seem like he or she is too far out of your reach. But you need to learn from this family right here and never give up praying and looking for your child. Good moms never give up. Jesus turns around and says, Mom, look with me in verse 49. Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? When you are out of answers, when you are out of questions, when you don't know where to turn, you need to go to the house of God. You need to be about God's business. When your child is out of your reach and you can't find him, it's time, it's past time to get on your 
your knees before God and say, Where's my child? Lord, only you can bring them back. And now we have here two pictures of godly moms. We have a mom who had a plan. Her plan was to bring the world to her son because she knew her son was the deliverer. We have Hannah who was a woman who kept her promises even when it was uncomfortable. Let's take a look at our third one quickly now. Timothy's mom. Timothy's mom. Second Timothy chapter 1. Young Timothy's mom. Now, Timothy was an amazing young man. He was led to Christ by the Apostle Paul, perhaps in a very dramatic fashion. See, Paul's at a little town called Lystra, where Timothy is from. And he is out there. He's preaching. And all of a sudden, the crowd grabs a hold of Paul. They drag him outside of Lystra. And they stone him. And they leave him there for dead. The Christians gather around in a circle. And the Apostle Paul, and the Bible says he gets up. I don't know about you, but when Christians get around in a circle, we're usually doing one thing. Well, actually, two things. We're either eating or we're praying. And I would suggest they gathered around and prayed. And the Bible says the Apostle Paul got up and goes back into the city. There's a young boy in that city who heard or perhaps saw those things. Imagine what it would have been like to that bloodied and beaten creature walked into Lystra and sat down. He'd been preaching about this Jesus. He'd been preaching that he was the Messiah, that he was the deliverer, that he was the promised one. He was the one who would bring peace. And incidentally, in Timmy's heart, there was no peace. Why wasn't there peace in Timmy's heart? Because he was only half-Jewish. And everywhere he went, the Jews would say, you're a half-breed. And everywhere he went, the Gentiles would say, get away from us. You're half-Jewish. He was caught in the middle of a world that pulled him left and right. So he met the Apostle Paul, who led him to Jesus. Timothy becomes, as you know, a pastor, a preacher that would fill the pulpits where John preached. Yes, the John who wrote the Revelation. The John who wrote the Gospel of John. First John, second John, and third John. That John. Could you imagine filling that pulpit? What it would be like to stand behind the pulpit where the man got up and said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Could you imagine filling that pulpit of somebody that was that eloquent? Timothy did. Not only did he do it, he did it well. Paul writes to him, a letter. And this is what he says in Second Timothy chapter 1. Look with me in verse 3. The Bible says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, Timmy, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears. Because Timmy would write him too. And he would say, this hurts and these people hurt me and these people lied and these people stuck me in the back and these people are planning to throw me out and these people are trying to stone me. Paul says, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. 
Paul says, I want you to stir up. Look at me in verse 6. Therefore I remind you, stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. That gift that was stirred up in you. That day, that night, you were ordained. That night, we made you a pastor. That night, we put our hands upon you and the faith came out of you. What faith? That faith that was in your grandmother. That faith that was in your mother. And this is the kind of faith that it is. Look at me in verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Oh, when I was a young Bible student, I often thought about that being a manly trait. But I want you to know, that didn't come from a man. That didn't come from a man. Those traits right there in verse 7 were taught to young Timothy by a woman named Eunice. Taught to him by a woman who loved him. Taught to him by a woman who would not give up on him. Taught to him by a woman who held him cried with him, endured those things with him, and embraced him when he became a Christian. And on top of that, Eunice and those become Christians as well. But the Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that is a direct and accurate description of Eunice. What a wonderful woman that must have been. What a wonderful woman she must have been. But she gave her heart to Timothy. Well, right now you've seen three pictures of women. You've seen Moses. You've seen Yahweh. The woman with a plan. You've seen Hannah. The woman who keeps her promises. Let's look at Eunice here. Let's look at her. She was a mom who modeled faith. Mom you're going to be the mom God has called you to be, if you're going to be the biblical mom, you've got to start modeling faith. And I'm talking faith that produces a spirit that is not afraid. Faith that is greater that's in you than he that's in the world kind of faith. Faith that says, I can move mountains. Faith that says, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. Faith that says, if God be for us, then who can be against us? Faith that says, Paul, you can get up after being stoned and walk back into the same city that hates you and continue preaching the gospel. That kind of faith. Eunice was a mom who modeled faith. Have you ever wondered about verse 7? I do all the time. Paul says, stir up that gift. What gift is he talking about? That gift that was given to him of power. And power, in my mind, was always for men. But right here, it's about the power Timothy saw in his mother and in his grandmother. What kind of power was that? You want to know what kind of power that was? That was the power of a family who never gives up on each other. Amen? That was the power of a family who prayed for each other. Power of a family who loved each other, who cried with each other, who endured each other's heartaches, and they listened to each other. Cheer up that gift, Timmy, because pastoring a church is just like being a mama. It's true. Pastoring a church is just like being a mother. Steer it up in you. It's inside of you. You've seen it modeled in your own life as your mother loved you, as she cuddled you, as she listened to you, as she prayed for you, as she endured those nights with you. It's a spirit of power, Timothy. It's a spirit of love, Timothy. You know what my favorite one is? Because only a woman can do this. Spirit of a sound mind. Amen. 
Us men have been crazy for years. You ever heard the old story of Dr. Uh, Roger Sperry? Dr. Roger Sperry was given a Nobel Peace Prize in 1984 for his groundbreaking work on looking at the pregnancy process. We found out that early in the pregnancy process, between the 8th and the 10th week, that boy babies were given a chemical that girl babies were not given. And that chemical actually slows down the right side of male brain. You know what the right side of the brain is? The caring side. True, the caring side. And so Dr. Sperry was given a Nobel Peace Prize for discovering something ladies have known since the beginning of time that all men are born with brain damage. <laughs> Timothy, tear up that gift. Stir it up in you. It's powerful. It's loving. It's a sound mind. Because mamas can make sense out of anything. Amen? Oh, my goodness. You know what the Bible says? If you're going to be a woman with a plan, if you're going to be a woman who will make sure her family keeps its promises, if you're going to be a woman who is going to tell Timothy, stir that gift up in you. What a wonderful woman Eunice must have been. And she raised Timothy and then submitted to Timothy's lead. What a wonderful woman. You know what the Bible calls that kind of woman? Blessed are they. Blessed are they. Plan for their family. They keep the family's promises and they model real faith. The Bible has a description for those kind of ladies, for those kind of moms. You know, you don't have to be a real mom. You can be a stepmom. Remember Remember the daughter of Pharaoh who allowed her child, Moses, to grow up knowing who Jesus was. Proverbs 31. Look with me in verses 28 and 29. The Bible says her children rise up and call her blessed. I think this is an afterthought sometimes. Her husband also. The Bible says, and he, her husband, praises. You ever met a pastor that talks about his wife and says, my wife is wonderful. I've loved my wife. I've got a crush on my wife. You know why he says those things? Because his wife is a good, godly mom. Because his wife is a mom who plans. His wife is a one who prays. His wife is the one who keeps her promises. His wife is the one who models real faith to their children. Bible says her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Look at verse 29. Many daughters have done well, but you, godly mom, excel them all. I would love for every mom in the world to hear that phrase when they get to the judgment seat of Christ, where he says, Many daughters have done well, but you, mom of God, you excel them all. You have given heart. You have not given up. You have loved. You have prayed. You have planned. You have made sure your children have that gift in them of power, strength, of courage, and of a sound mind. Let's take a look at God's view of mothers. Quick one. Turn with me to the prophet Isaiah. Before I do that, I want to tell you a true story. A true story. As you may know, 
here lately the monstrosity of abortion. Surely they may forget. But the Bible says, yet I will not forget you. Can a woman forget her child? Back in the day, no. But nowadays they can. Why couldn't they forget their child? Because that child needs you. That child depends upon you. That child trusts you. That child believes everything you say. And there is no greater betrayal than when a mother murders her own child. There is nothing harder than that. Than when a woman to take that innocent child who loved her, who depended upon her, who said, I need to eat, who said, I need to be changed, who said, I need you to protect me, who said, I need you to comfort me. The world scares me. For that mother to say, I want to kill you. There's no greater betrayal than that. Really do it? Not really. But look with me in the very next verse of Isaiah. Isaiah 49, verse 16. God says, Yes, there's a time coming where ladies will push aside their children. They won't care like they used to. But God says, I care about you. You are my child. And I know everything about you. And I want you to depend upon me. I want you to look to me and say, Protect me. I want you to say, Feed me. I want you to say, comfort me. I want you to say, I need a change in my life. Look with me in Isaiah 49, 16. The Bible says, See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. You already know what that means. John 20, verse 27, the Bible says, Jesus shows up in the upper room. He says, Thomas, reach your finger here. Look at my hand and reach your hand here. I will never forget you, Thomas. I will always love you, Thomas. I think they're worth dying for. And should the time ever come, and it won't, but if it ever did, if it was possible, then it could. All I have to do is look at my hands, for I've inscribed in the scars there where the nails went through my hands that I love you. And I think you're worth dying for. Reach here, Thomas. Touch them. You need to reach out and touch the nail scarred hand. You've forgotten about the love at Calvary. You've forgotten about the grace of the cross. You've forgotten that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And He has it. It's inscribed on the palm of His hands. So even to this day, I'm going to forget something. Like a child, I take up my pen and write it on my hand. My wife comes home from work with nine or ten messages every day written on the palm of her hand. And I want you to think about God writing on the palm of His hand, I love you. And I think you're worth every 
every drop of blood shed on Calvary. And that's not it. He also says, we all are continually forming. You see the picture you have here? Your walls are continually deforming. Mom. Well, Gary, get to visit my mom's house. You'll go and look at her walls, and on the walls are what? Pictures and pictures and pictures and pictures and pictures from when I was a child, from when I was an infant, to, to right now. Boy, did that change. <laughs> and my brother said, Look, if you were to look in God's house, do you know what? As an infant, when you were first born, back in before you were born, the Bible says, before you were in the womb, I knew you and formed you. I had the plans for you, just like Jacobin. I had plans for you, and I knew my child would be special. And you need to come to Jesus this morning. Perhaps it's Mother's Day. You can say, I need Jesus. I've just been coming to visit a church. You know what? He needs Perhaps you're one of those that said, I'm looking for a church to be a part of. This is the place. Perhaps you say, Pastor, I'm a Christian and I'm a member of a church, but I need to get right with God. You've got inscriptions on His hands. See, he's the walls all around Him. As He looks at you, He shows step by step to where you are right now. So when Betsy and I first got married, one of the greatest joys we had was taking pictures. We had a one-pin camera that was pink and blue. It was the ugliest thing I've ever seen. And the film was dirt cheap, and we bought it all the time. It was so much three or four dollars, and we just took pictures, pictures, pictures. We didn't even have a flash. We know you click, click, click. We just took pictures, pictures, and to this day, you can go and pull out those. You have to take them to Walmart. Remember, you get a result, you get back in a little envelope. There was no photo hut at that time, though. However, we just took pictures and pictures. We loved everywhere we went, everything we did, every person we were with. We just took pictures, took pictures, and took pictures. I want you to know God is taking pictures in your life right now, right now, and He remembers that's my child, that's my son, that's my daughter. I love that child, and I knew you before you were even in the womb, and I had plans for you, and I want you to know I'm modeling great faith for you, and I want you to know that I keep my promises, and here's my promise to you, that if you will just come to me, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life, and it's been inscribed on His hands forever. That's what brothers are all about. That's how God looks at I wonder sometimes how God describes that love. He describes them when He looks at your hands. See, that's what a mom does. That's how a mom loves. That's how a mom never forgets. You need to come to the Son. Remember what Jacob's message was? He said, my Son is special. You need to come to my Son. He's a picture of Jesus. Did you come to Jesus this morning? Do you remember what Hannah's prayer was? Lord, my son Samuel, I'm going to give him back to you. If you read the rest of the story, Samuel brings the word of the Lord back to Israel. It's time to 
you to bring the word of the Lord back to your house. Take a look at his hand. He's not forgotten you. He loves you. Happy, happy Sunday. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, you take charge of this invitation time. If there be anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, anyone that needs to get their heart right with you, would you let today be the day? Would you let us rejoice in their decision as we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name? Would you come as we sing? Let Jesus come into your heart. Would you come this morning? Would you come? Please stay. God bless you all. Thank you that you got to come and worship with us on this Mother's Day. I want to say Happy Mother's Day again to each and every mom here.
wants you to know if your mom's not with you, pray for her. If she's gone on into heaven, then learn from the things that she did and pass that on to your children. All right. Uh, with that being said, I want to give you an announcement that there is no services this evening. There's no choir practice, no services for you. So enjoy your time with your mom. Enjoy your time in the reflection. And maybe, just maybe, we can beat the Methodist out the Taco Bell today. Amen? <laughs> Let's close in that word of prayer. And uh, I hope to see you Wednesday night at 6.30. So, with that being said, I'm going to close with some prayers today. And let's pray together. Father, we come to now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord, this morning. I ask you to bless us. I ask you to fill us with your spirit. Be with us now, Lord, as we go out of your house, as we celebrate Mother's Day with our families and friends and loved ones. And I'm praying, Lord, that you would bless us and keep us safe. And that you bring us safely back again to your house to worship you, Lord. May we have the opportunity to share the gospel with your son with everybody we meet, Lord. For it's in Jesus' great and mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you all, and I'll see you uh, Wednesday night at 630.